praise God. Good morning, Identity Church. Good morning, all those that are live streaming with us. You know, uh, this is Father's Day, and so my my son-in-law and daughter they decided to get me this this uh, shirt. This is this is me, pretty much. I I do have a database of jokes. And they're not good, but they, they do come out often. Um, so I appreciate that from the, from the kids today. Uh, I hope y'all have had a great week. I know Father's Day, uh, a lot of times, you know, everybody's like probably coming to church thinking I'm going to give a Father's Day message, but it's not specifically that. I'm going to continue to talk about wisdom. And guess what? You fathers, y'all need some wisdom. I'm going to tell you what, if you're raising kids... You need to understand how to raise those kids. And them kids, they justify you. How many people know that as a father, you know, it's hard to not live vicariously through your children, right? I mean, how many people have been like, well, you know, I, I played football in high school, or I played baseball, or I played an instrument, or I did whatever, and I want my kids to do it better than me. You know, I... Caleb used to play baseball, and I didn't force him into baseball. I promise I, you know, but he wanted to play. He played for, what, six, seven years? Little League. Well, you know, I would be out there, and there would be fathers that would just be just hounding their kids. And I was like, I was like, man, these are just kids. Leave them alone, you know? And so everybody, in some respects, always thinks I need to live my life for my children. Or I need to impress upon them to live a particular type of life. You know, and that kind of justifies us. That, that says, oh, I've, I've put into my kids. Well, you know, there's the good side of that, which is I put in into my kids. Like my son and my daughter both, they, had their own, they have their own lives. I didn't tell them to go do anything that they've done so far. All I've done is I've said, hey, I will help you out in whatever I can. And you can ask my kids. I didn't force them to go do anything. I was like, but I want you to do something. I want you to have your own thing. Well, you know, the same thing happens with wisdom. In fact, we're going to find out in this message today that wisdom is justified by them kids. Now, you may be going, that's weird, Dusty. Why did you bring that up? Well, Jesus said it, so I, I'm, you know, I'm just going with what Jesus said. Wisdom is justified by they're children. What is a child? It's an offspring. What would be the other thing that you would find in the Bible that would be like an offspring that is being used? Like seed, time, and harvest. Like the fruit of your labor. The fruit of something that happens. See, wisdom has an outcome. Wisdom has the ability for us to see beyond just where we're at. We actually see fruit from it. You know, people walk around, if people walk around, I remember Mike Julian. It was the best blessing I could ever have. I, we were going to Life of Faith Church, and we were helping them start a, a campus over at Life of Faith. And, um, but in the meantime, we had started going to the main campus. Well, Caleb was going to the kids' church. And Mike Julian, the guy that, he was like a psalmist. I mean, this guy was literally like a psalmist. And he would play their praise and worship. And he came to me and he was so excited the first couple of weeks that Caleb was going. He said, he said, he just knows the word. 
He, he answers our questions. He's paying attention. Most of the other kids are going, what? What are y'all doing? Huh? I don't want I I to go play with the buggets over here. Caleb's over there sitting there listening to the word. He's, he's answering questions. And he was like, that was a f- breath of fresh air to him. You know, I walked away going, I did something pretty good, you know? Well, we're justified by whatever our outcomes are, Right? I was justified in that moment going, hey, I must be doing something pretty good with my kid. Well, the same thing happens with wisdom. When you have a wise moment, it like, it it hits you. You go, wow, that was some fruit of that moment, of those knowledge, of the things that that I've seen and heard. In fact, we're going to get started. We're primarily going to be in Matthew chapter 11. If you want to follow along, I will be throwing some other scriptures, but it will be up here on the screen. But I want you to understand that in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is out and he's ministering in the streets. And so what he's doing is he's out there and he's healing people. He's seeing things happen. There's miracles everywhere. And John the Baptist sends his disciples. There we go. And I'm not going to do the recap. Basically, just remember this. Wisdom is much better than gold. In fact, there's three areas of wisdom we're going to talk about today, and it's experience, knowledge, and good judgment. If you put those three things together, you got wisdom, right? So the other thing, the three things that you need to do is you need to seek wise counsel, you need to listen to wise counsel, and you need to understand wise counsel. So throughout this Throughout this teaching, I want you to understand that you're going to see experience and you're going to see knowledge and you're going to see good judgment. So we're going to get right into it. Wisdom is not about making people believe your explanation. It's about discernment. See, a lot of times people ask the question, why? How many people you have kids and you'll go, hey, we're going to go, we're going to get ready right now. And they go, why? And you go, well, because we need to. And it's like, why? And we keep doing that over and over and over and over again, right? Well, you know, after a while, people just go, I know why I need to go take a shower, because I stink, right? There's not much discernment needs to come with that. You should just know, I need to go take a shower every day, right? Well, the same thing with wisdom. We need to understand that sometimes the explanation is not going to get us where we need to be. In fact, in In Matthew chapter 11, verse 2, we see uh, Jesus is on the scene here. And John has sent his disciples. And this is what Jesus and and John's disciples said to each other. And when John had heard, verse 2, when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, "Are Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Let me ask you a question. If you thought that somebody was going to do something great for you or that they were the Messiah or they were the most powerful being on the planet and you were in prison, you'd probably be going, wait a minute, shouldn't I be out of prison by now? See, John was, John was struggling with the idealisms of whether or not Jesus actually was going to be the Messiah because it wasn't a picnic for John. John had done his ministry and then Herod had had him arrested and he was in prison. In verse 4 it says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Go tell John, go tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. 
The dead are raised up and the poor, those that are lacking. So anytime somebody's poor, it means you're lacking. So you may be a billionaire and you may be lacking in love. You may be lacking in a lot of different things. But just because you've got money or anything else means that you've just got money. But see, Jesus was coming to, to talk to those and to preach and teach the gospel to those that lacked in any area. In fact, it says this, um, the poor, those who lack, have the gospel preached to them. Verse 6, and it says, Blessed is he uh, who is not offended because of me. Now, I'm going to tell you, Jesus was being sarcastic right here. How many, how many people know Jesus ha- had a sense of humor? He also had a, an emotional side of him that he would sit there and go, hey, you know what? You're coming in questioning me. I want, I'm going to give you a, an explanation that you're probably going to understand. But I also want you to understand, too, that don't be offended because of me, buddy. That was, it was sort of like a slight back to John. It was like, hey, you know what? You knew what you were signing up for. You knew what was happening. You knew what I was supposed to be coming and doing. See, John, and we're about to get into why John would have known this, but John was, was an Essen. He was actually a part of a group that wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls. They, he knew the word. And so Jesus gave him the word. And so I'm going to give you what John heard, what John was supposed to take away from this. Because he was discerning based upon the Word of God. That's why Jesus gave him the Word. In Isaiah 35, 4, which would have been a... This scripture would have been a huge Messiah scripture for anybody back in those days that were in Essen. The people that were actually studying the Bible. In in Isaiah 35, 4, it says, Say to those who are fearful of heart, This was, so the last verse, don't be offended by me just because you're afraid. See, Jesus was actually saying, I'm going to pick this scripture because it's it's going to prove to you that God's already put a scripture out there for John. This was for John's benefit, Isaiah 35, 4. In fact, it says, say to those who are fearful, John was fearful, Be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Verse 5, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Uh Uh-oh, Jesus said, hey, do you see it? Go tell John what's happening. The, The blind eyes are being opened. And it says, and the deaf ears shall be unstopped. Well, Jesus told him, he said, hey, look around. Tell him what you saw and what you heard. That, that the blind and the deaf, that their eyes and their ears are being opened up. And it says, and that the lame shall leap like deer and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. Now, this is the raising the dead in the gospel part of what Jesus had said. And it said, for the water shall burst forth in the wilderness and the streams in the deserts. Verse 7 says, the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water in the inhabitants of jackals. Well, they had the Pharisees and they had Herod and they had all these jackals that were in this time that were trying to do away with John. They were trying to do away with Jesus. And it says right here, and it says... um, 
In the inhabitants of jackals where they lay, there shall be grass and reeds and rushes. That means that that where there is a desolation right now, where there was nothing but religion, there was no relationship with God. All you did was come to the temple, you paid your tax, you had to go sacrifice some sort of animal that you overpaid for because it was also being taxed back to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. See, Jesus says, hey, you're seeing that there's going to be a complete change. And after Jesus came, 70 AD, there was no more temple. There was no more temple tax because there was no more Judaism. It had been broken up. It had been sent out. Do you know that this particular area right here, John was needing to see something that was from the word. Because Jesus could have sat down and said, well, let me, let me just reason with you. Well, the reason why I'm doing this and the reason why I'm doing that. Well, you know, a lot of times if we're having a conversation and I'm just reasoning with you, well, you can always find reasons why you don't believe something. I mean, there may be people in here today that you have a reason why you're not going to believe in God or you're not going to stand up for God or you're not going to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There's reasons. There's plenty of them. The world has them everywhere. Oh, well, I I don't like this part of the Bible. Who cares? Whether you believe something or not has nothing to do with anything. You either believe it or you don't believe it. Reasoning doesn't have anything to do with it. John had given his life. He had had dedicated his life from the time he was a baby all the way until he was 30 years old. And he was thrown in prison. See, John wasn't about, well, Jesus, tell me all the reasons why you did this, this, and this. John was going... I need to know in the word, why in the world are you doing what you're doing? Because I don't understand it. I don't understand Jesus. How many people have walked around and said, I don't understand Jesus? Absolutely. That's one of the reasons why the Holy Spirit is going to teach you all things that you've been taught by his word. See, wisdom is discerning where you're supposed to be at. I'm going to say it again. You know, there's a lot of times in our life where we're asking the question why. Chris Stapleton, anybody know Chris Stapleton songs? You know, I, I, I think the guy's probably got the best voice in the world. It, just my opinion, right? But he's got this song called Broken Halos, right? And he goes, in the song, don't go ask Jesus why. You know why? Because it belongs to the by and by. Well, you know, The thing is, is that I don't know if that's scriptural, but what I want you to understand is, is that most people walk around their whole lives asking, why God? Why? Why did you do this? You know, I have found out that most of the time God had nothing to do with it. I did it. Satan was running her muck and I went into the muck with him. A muck, a muck, a muck, a muck. Anybody that are Monty Python fans, that was Monty Python reference. Anyway, but see, John himself was trying and reasoning. 
And Jesus was saying, I don't want you to reason. I want you to know the Word. Because you would understand the Word because the Word tells you why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so he went and he told John, here's the Word. I gave you Isaiah 35, 4 through 7. And then he turned his disciples back and he told them, go talk to him. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 7. So it's the same set of verses here. And it says, and as they departed, talking about um, John's disciples and after they had seen everything, it says, and as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go into the wilderness to see? A reed shaking in the wind? Verse 8 says, but what did you go to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft garments and clothed are, the king, are in king's houses. See, Jesus knew that everybody went out in the wilderness to go see John. And John was wearing like camel hair. And he ate, you know, he, he ate like, you know, bits and pieces of bread and, and honey and things like that that he found out in the desert. See, John was a part of a sect of people that they lived in poverty. They went and, and rewrote the Dead Sea Scrolls. All those scrolls that you find in the Dead Sea, that group of people, they just, every day, they just took the word and they just kept writing and writing and writing and then they would go, they go shell it away off into a cave. And you know what? They had a vow of, of poverty. They had a, a, a vow of you know, celibacy. Oh my God. But anyway, they had a vow of, of you know, all of these things. But see, this is the problem that I see when people talk about John is they think, well, John was just the guy that showed up and just started talking about Jesus. Oh, there's a greater one or, or, you know, the baptism of repentance. And that was what the essence did was they went around and baptized people in repentance. But do you know that Jesus had a much higher opinion of John? In fact, it says right here, it says in verse 9, but, why, but what did you go to see? A prophet? And he goes, yes. I say to you, more than a prophet. For this is he whom is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say unto you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now I want you to understand something. He that is in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. But John the Baptist, Jesus is about to tell us, is the greatest prophet. He's greater than all the other prophets. Do you know that, that what Jesus came to bring to us made us greater than the Old Testament prophets? You may be going, well, I've never called fire down from heaven. Some of you wanted to, right? How many people said, hey, I don't like that person. Lord, let's just burn them up. Let's do it. Let's turn them into barbecue. But see, this is the problem. We don't know. We don't know how much the, all we see is the Old Testament prophets and what they did in a short amount of time. See, the Holy Spirit was on them and with them for very small amounts of time. You know that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit is in you. 
He's on you. He's around you. He's moving through you. You can have him 24 by 7, 365 days a year and, and even leap year. You can do all of it. You can, you can have the Holy Spirit every single minute of every single day. And you know, the thing is, the prophets could only have it for a short amount of time. That's why we are so much greater than he is. And it says in verse 10, I'm sorry, uh, verse 11, it says, Surely I say unto you, among these that are born of women has, has not one risen greater than John the Baptist, and he who is in the kingdom, um, and he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Verse 12 says, And for the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Do you know that that back then you had to go and pray, you had to go sacrifice, you had to go spill blood, you had to go through all of these different things in order to get God to move on your behalf. But do you know that until that day, and until Jesus came, do you know that, that the moment Jesus came, things started changing. Now, you didn't have to suffer violence. We don't have to go and sacrifice. We don't have to go and, and do all these things, these rituals, in order to get the Holy Spirit to move on our behalf. He's living in us. All we got to do is pray. All we got to do is believe. All we've got to do is what Mark 11, 23 and 24 says, where it says, If we say into this, into this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in our belief system then whatsoever things that when we say them, they will come to pass. Well, you know what? They had never heard that kind of talk. It was like, well, we can't get God to do nothing. Well, you know what? This is what God was trying to say through Jesus right here to not only John the Baptist, those people that were around him, that there is a time that has already come and things are going to get better. We're going to have more access to God. You're not going to have to go find a temple. You're not going to have to go sacrifice. Amen. How many people would like for y'all to just uh, bring some bulls in here and some goats and some sheep and we need to like sacrifice because that's the only way we can get the Holy Spirit in here. A couple of y'all are like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. that. That would be horrible. And I want you to understand that God doesn't want you to do that either. We need to understand that these particular scriptures were trying to show that wisdom had been speaking out for thousands upon thousands of years until John the Baptist, the greatest of all prophets. And we'll find out why it was pretty great. It says in verse 13, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you were willing to receive it, he is Elijah... Who is to come? Now, how many people remember the Elijah story, right? He went, he threw his mantle on Elijah, and he went in a chariot of fire. He was up in the heaven, right? Well, you know, Elijah basically left the earth unscathed because he's got some other things he's got to do. Number one, he came back, and he was the spirit of Elijah was upon, was upon John the Baptist, but he's also, in Revelations, he's going to be one of the two witnesses that's going to be there. Do you know that Elijah and the spirit of Elijah, the anointing of Elijah, was on John the Baptist? You know what? When he went and go, he laid hands on Jesus and he baptized him, what happened? 
the king of glory got baptized in the Holy Ghost. You know that he got baptized just like we're supposed to get baptized. You know, Jesus didn't do anything like said, well, I have a special baptism and then y'all have a different one. No, Jesus did the exact same things to show us that this is how we're supposed to live our life. And it... And so I'm just going to prove something to you here. John was filled with the Holy Spirit. So in a different book, Luke, which, by the way, I want to give you an understanding here. All of the four Gospels are written different times. They didn't even know each other, most of them. They didn't sit around and go, well, I'm going to put in my book this, and you put in your book that. They were in completely different areas, and they rewrote the whole the Gospels because of their account so I want you to understand this because when people go, well, you know, they all sat around and they wrote it together. No, no. Matthew wrote his book like 30 years after Jesus. And then we find out that, you know, Luke wrote his book like 20 years. Mark actually was one of the, the first gospels that was written. But do you know that we need to understand this because because there is things in here that was eyewitness accounts. It was people who actually saw it. So when people go, oh, well, you know, the Bible is just, it's just a bunch of stories that people collected together. No, 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 these people saw it. How many people know that, that if you're struggling with the idea of this is a huge conspiracy, how many people, if, if you knew Jesus didn't raise from the dead, if you knew that he wasn't the son of God and everything, would you have been sacrificed upside down on a cross. How many people would do it? Just even if they got money, what if I gave you a million bucks? Would you, would you do that? I mean, how about a billion dollars? Your family would be set up for the rest of your life. We would do like what happened to Stephen or not Stephen, but um, I'm trying to, um, all of them died pretty horribly, but, but doubting Thomas, he went to India and they drawn and quartered him. Do you know what that is? They tie, your, they tie all four of your limbs to horses and they pull you apart. How many people would have done that if this wasn't true? Not doubting Thomas. Until he went and Jesus said, stick your, stick your hand in my side and stick your fingers through the holes. Doubting Thomas was ready to give up. He was like, ah, I'm done. But the moment Jesus came back and he told him, he goes, it is real. Thomas said, hey, I'm going to India. And he preached the gospel there and he died for the gospel. You know, they had revivals there. It was amazing. You need to go read church history because it's amazing. People will tell you all the time, oh, well, that's just a bunch of stories. And, you know, you know the Catholic church put it together. No. That is stupid because these people died for it. People died for it. I wouldn't die for it. If y'all paid me whatever, you were going to give me the greatest whatever it was that, that I thought was the greatest thing. You know, 10 of these guitars. Hallelujah. I love my new Tele guitar. But anyway, all of this stuff, I still would have gone, that's a lie. The moment they went to go kill me, these people died for it. So John was filled with the Holy Ghost, Luke chapter 1, verse 15. And it says, For he will be great, talking about John the Baptist in the sight of the Lord, and he shall neither drink 
uh, wine or strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is something that's funny. No one had been filled with the Holy Spirit until John. John was the first one that walked around 24 by 7 with the Holy Spirit in him. And it said, even from his mother's womb. And then in verse 17 of Luke chapter 1, it says, And he will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the father to the children. Happy Father's Day. You know that John himself had the power of Elijah upon him. But not only that, that wasn't the great part of it. He had the Holy Spirit on the inside of him. You know that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you? Well, this spirit was in John the whole time. So when John went to go discern something and the word started, the Holy Spirit was talking to him. So I just wanted you to understand John's background because if you know John... When Jesus went to go tell him about all the things that was happening, that was more than if Jesus had sat down and said, let me explain to you for days, for weeks, for months, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because the Holy Spirit that was inside of John went, "Uh uh-huh, that's exactly what the Word says. How many people know that, that right now you may go, well, if I told you the Word... You know, Vicky gave me that I can do all things through Christ Jesus strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. I'm going to put it on my desk when I go to work this week. But you know that that, that was my scripture, the one that, that got me out of ADD and dyslexia. That was the one that helped me to, to get a vision for where I was going to go. Do you know that, that there was a point in time where I had somebody make fun of me because I just, I was open about it. I was like, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is why I'm where I'm at is because of this one scripture. It became rhema. It became God spoke to me. And I had somebody at work and they were really just, they're really giving me the, you know, oh, you're a hasty, you're an idiot, you're a whatever. And I told them, I said, you know what? I said, that's fine. I said, you can think however you want of me. I said, but you could put a gun to my head. You could tell me anything different. And I'm still going to go with this word because I've seen it in my life. It has changed me. All y'all could get up and you can walk out of here and the word's still going to work in my life. I, I ain't worried about that. See, I need the word to work in your life. I need you to take hold of the word and let it work in your life because the moment it works in your life, Now you can be like John the Baptist and you'll start discerning things when circumstances come against you. You know, circumstances are going to happen. I I can't control circumstances. Circumstances are the car is going to break down. My car broke down. I had to go buy a new one. Well, that's cost a lot of money. You know, the thing is, is that in every circumstance that comes along in your life, God has made provision for how to go through that circumstance. But see, you have to believe it. You have to have a word to stand on that you're going to discern. See, I want you to know this because when the Holy Spirit starts teaching you, which I believe in He will, I'm I'm planting a seed in your heart today and the Holy Spirit's going to come water it. And there's going to be fruit that's going to come from this word. And when this word starts producing fruit in your life, you're going to start going, man, that was a part of the word. This This was a part of what I saw. In the word. 
So the world is going to is pressuring you to play its game, but take a different approach. Matthew chapter 11, verse 15, still talking about John the Baptist. Jesus is saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to whom shall I liken this generation? It says, It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their companions and saying, We played the flute for you and you did not dance. It means we didn't play your game. How many people have been peer pressured to smoke a cigarette at, at school? Come on, I know Al. I know Al was the guy over there going, smoke this cigarette, boy. You know, this is a, this is a thing. I was playing football in high school, and I had a coach. He walked up to me, and he said, okay, here's some snuff. Put it in your mouth. I did, and I threw up. And then he said, put some more in your mouth. You know that I got so addicted to chewing tobacco because my coach said, hey, you're going to do this. You know, peer pressure to be liked, to be a part, you know, that's what the generations do. Everything that we see nowadays is, oh, you want to be liked, right? You don't want to stand for truth. You want to stand for what people like. And see, this is what this is what Jesus was basically saying was, I am not trying to set up everybody to like me. I'm trying to tell the truth. When people are saying, well, so the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, hey, why don't you do these traditions? Why don't your disciples and you wash your hands before you eat this way? Well, you know, that was all set up by the Pharisees. It was like, play our game. Why aren't you playing our game, Jesus? Well, you know, Jesus basically told him, he said, he said, you're a bunch of vipers. You're trying to put things on people that they can't handle. Well, you know what happened? Jesus walked away and they walked away. Jesus walked away and said, I'm just going to do what the father tells me. They walked away and said, how can we kill him? You know, this is the thing that you need to understand is the world is looking to snuff out people who don't play their game. And so it says right here, it says, we mourned, we bemoaned. This, this word mourned means that we came to you and we started gossiping. How many people have been around some gossipers? Is it like, hey, let me tell you a secret. Let, let, me, let me tell you a secret. Well, you know, this, this thing, he was saying, hey, we, we went to go gossip to you. And you did not get upset. You didn't lament. You didn't come back and go, oh, well, yeah, I agree with that. And it says, verse 18, for John came to, to neither eat nor drink. And they said, he's a demon. Now, that was a pretty far cry, right? Just because he wouldn't play the game. Just because he didn't go through all of the Pharisees' traditions. He's a demon. we got to get rid of the demon. In verse 19 it says, The Son of Man came and, and he's eating and he's drinking. And they say, look, a glutton and a wine beaver. You know, most people, they will go, Hey, I need to find something that I can place on you. I, I need to put a, a name tag on you. Oh, you're, you're, a, you're a glutton, you're a wine beaver. Well, think about nowadays. Most people, they'll go, oh, well, you're, you're liberal, you're conservative, you're, you're this, you're that. You know, in everything that we do in, in, our, in our society, somebody's trying to label you. They want you to fall into a bucket. 
You know that every time God puts put something out there that you're supposed to do, somebody's going to try to stop you. They're going to bring they're going to bring stuff against you. And that's what was happening. They were labeling them. Oh, well you're you're a glutton and you're a wine bever. You know, basically you're just an alcoholic and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Do you know that Jesus basically said, I want you to understand this one point. Wisdom is justified by her children. This word justified here is innocent. It is free. It means that that wisdom came and it told us some stuff. It had offspring. In fact, we need to look here. Children of the world, you know, when Jesus said, hey, you came and you were killing off the prophets... He was basically talking about this in Matthew 23, 21 or 31. It says, Wherefore you being witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Do you know that they actually themselves had called Jesus a prophet? You know, themselves called John a prophet, but they still killed both of them. You know that, that just because you give somebody honor doesn't mean you can't stab them in the back. See, Jesus was saying, children of God, children of this wisdom, children of people who need to understand something and gain knowledge and gain justification of how they live. They're in this three categories right here. Matthew 5, 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Romans 8.16 says the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. 1 John chapter 5 verse 2 says by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we keep his commandments. Do you know that that keep his commandments doesn't mean the ten commandments? God brought that down to two. The first one is love God. The second one is love your neighbor as yourself. I hope you love yourself because I think a lot of people are loving their neighbor exactly like they love themselves. You know, I think a lot of times we need to go back and say, I need God to love on me a little bit more so that I know I'm loved so that I can actually go and love others. I got to see God's love in my life before I can actually give love. Do you know that in my life, every time I've not loved myself, there was something I loathed about myself. You know, I projected that on other people. I wasn't a child of wisdom. I was a child of the world. I was trying to make myself feel better because I was trying to get something for myself. I'll move on. Okay. First John chapter 4, verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm closing right now. Do you know that, that greater is he that, that is in you than he that is in the world is the same statement that Jesus was basically saying that we have a greater covenant than those that were behind us. It means the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us if we have accepted him. But these are the four areas that you need to understand. Peace 
comes as a part of being the children of wisdom and the children of God. Bearing witness of the goodness of God. How many people know that if something good's happening to you, you need to, you need to testify to it? You know, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. It's what Revelations 12, 20 says. And we, we just need to go around and when something good has happened, we go and we tell people. And if they go, well, I don't believe it, you go, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. Keep moving. You know, if we just told people, well, keep moving, I'm talking to myself. We'd be a whole lot better off. You know that People are going to try to pull you down, but you know what you do? You just stir yourself up. Have you ever, have you ever drank Kool-Aid? Anybody drank Kool-Aid out here? Remember back when it was good, you know, it had the sugar in there, the packets were like this fat, and you'd dump the whole thing in? Well, you'd dump it in, you'd stir it up. Fifteen minutes later, there'd be a bunch of sugar. Well, you need to go and stir it up some more. You need to get it back to where the goodness is there because you got to get the goodness up to yourself. Because if not, you just leave it to the end and you're kind of like, uh, it's sweet, but it's not good. No, no, no. You keep stirring yourself up and allowing the goodness of God to continue to just rise up on the inside of you. You stir yourself up. You know, David did that. They were wanting to kill him. David goes walking out because they'd... I, I got news for you. I probably would have wanted to kill David too. I mean... You know, if my wife and my kids had been taken from me, I'd probably be like, David, you did this. And he did. He messed up. But then he stirred himself up and he said in the name, well, name of God, then he's like, we're going to go get it all back. And they chased him down and they got it all back. But, you know, he could have said, oh, I'm just going to give up. And then all hope would have been lost. If you ever want to get to faith, you've got to get to hope first. But then you got to first know love because, you know, now abideth faith, hope, and love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. Now abideth faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these, the first of these is love. And when I know I'm loved, then I've got some hope in something. And when I've got hope in something, now I've got faith. I can actually, I can actually have faith in it. I can walk in it. I can go and do something. How many people want to do something? You're tired of just sitting around. I want to do something. Well, by God, that's what I wanted to do. All my life, I wanted to just say, let's do something. I've been looking for something to do every single moment of my life. And when Jesus showed up on the scene and he told me I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me, woo! It was like a weight was lifted because I never had to do it on my own again. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you would like to, please raise your hand. I'd like to pray for you. Amen. Amen. I want to pray over everybody, and now I'll pray over the food because we're going to have uh, we're going to eat today, but. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I pray over each and every person that's in here that wisdom is something that is going to permeate their lives, that they are going to get the knowledge and the understanding and that they're going to make good decisions, Father. And that 
because the Holy Spirit is on the inside of them, it's going to bear witness with their spirit. And they're going to know what to do in every situation, Father. They're not going to let the circumstances come against them. But Father, I thank you that you are bringing about a change in their life to where they start seeing past their circumstances. They start seeing Jesus on the other side of the mountain. And they tell that mountain to be removed and be thou cast in the sea. And Father, I just pray over each and every person in here that you are bringing about the ability for them to go tell the good news, that they bear witness and that they have peace that passeth all understanding in their heart, their belief system, Father, and in their mind. And I just thank you, dear Lord, that you are sending people across their path to help them, but you're also sending people across their path that they can, that they can minister to. And Father, that that the Great Commission and, and the relationships and all of the things that you've wanted, that they are going to be fulfilled through these people that are sitting in the seats. And I just pray for each and every one of them they have a blessed week. Father, we're, I just pray over this food that we're about to receive in this time of fellowship. I thank you, dear Lord, that we're going to grow closer together, that we're going to have opportunities to, to learn from each other during our fellowship. Father, I pray over this food, nurture our bodies, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Go enjoy a good meal. Amen.